Shabbat Shalom, everyone. How are you? Raise your hand if you're ready for scope. Yeah, oh man, I'm pretty excited too. What's your favorite part? Something you're looking forward to? You don't know? Oh man, just the whole thing, right? Oh, same here. All right. Well, uh, who remembers something that we learned about last week? Anyone? No one learned anything? And that happens every single time. Well, we talked about moral relativity, this, this fickle belief that has run rampant through the world, something I used to believe in myself uh, until I came to Yeshua and, and, and got some common sense, or some real sense. And uh, essentially, it's this fickle belief that's just highly unreliable, and it, it kind of goes that morals are individual to the uh, to the individual. So it, it's there's no standard, right? So what is, you know, right to Andreas, it might be wrong to me. And so, you know, if stealing your car might be okay, you know, in my view, but to you, you're like, hey, that's my car. That's not right. So it's just, it's very dangerous. And we went ahead and compared this to God's righteous and moral standards that are unchanging and, and amazing. Now, we concluded that this belief is just, uh, this worldview is just inconsistent and it's just not sustainable for peace one bit, no, ma no matter how you, you uh, look at it. Now, essentially, it's just the gospel of Satan, right? You can just do whatever you want and just, it'll be okay, right? Really dangerous stuff. Now, the summary for last week's core portion that went with it was that essentially, Moses describes the covenant between God and the Israelites, and he urges them to uphold you know, their side of the bargain through obedience to his word, and in so doing, choosing life. And so by choosing life, they would live in the promised land, and they'd be abundantly blessed and in great prosperity. Now, uh, this week we, we have the shortest Torah portion of all the, the Torah portions out of the 54 in the uh, first five books of the Bible, the Bible called Vayelet, and he went. Now, there are three topics I like to cover. We have, number one, the dangers of prosperity uh, why did God warn Israel, you know, be careful when you come to the land and you acquire these abundant blessings? Kind of seems counterintuitive, right? Like, why would we be, be careful of blessings? So, we have that. The dangers of uh, prosperity. We have two. Meat. We're going to talk about meat. That's as much as I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> and then, thirdly, we're going to talk about choosing life. So, what does choosing life look like? How do we do it? So, First, we're going to uh, go through this. this it's only a one-chapter portion. We're going to read through it real quick. And then we're going to call up all of you youth and test your memories. So I have about seven to eight questions I'm going to ask you. And if you guys are able to answer all of them, or at least most of them correctly, I have a hilarious video I will show you after, uh, while we're waiting for the uh, our guests and our elders to go through the Oneg line. So, sound like a deal? All right. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Oh, where's that clicker? Let's see where we're at. Oh, perfect. So this is just a basic outline of what we'll read. So it starts off that Moses has his last counsel with Israel. And then God reveals to Moses that Israel will break covenant with him. I can tell you Moses is not very surprised by this at all. Now, the song of Moses is written as a witness against Israel. And then the torch of leadership is passed to Joshua, who will then bring them into the promised land with a very epic um, chain of events and battles. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into uh, Deuteronomy 31, and we'll just read all the way through without commentary. All right, so it begins, 
So Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. And the Lord has told me, you shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who is going to cross ahead of you. He himself will uh, cross ahead of you. He himself will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua, the one who is going to cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will turn them over to you, and you will do to them in accordance with all the commandments that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid or in dread of them, for the Lord your God is the one going with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you will go to the, uh, with his people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you will give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not desert you nor abandon you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the time of the year uh, of the release of debts, at the Feast of Booths, Sukkot, uh, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel, so they hear it. Assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, and the stranger who is in your town, so that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to follow all the words of this law. And their children, who have not known, will hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, just as you live in the, in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, and I will commission him. So Moses went and presented them. Uh, Moses went. Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood at the entrance of the tent. The Lord said to Moses, "Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the prostitute with the foreign gods of the land into the midst which they are going." and they will abandon me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them on that day, and I will abandon and hide my face from them, and they will be consumed, and many evils and troubles will find them. So they will say on that day, Is it not because our God is, not, is, among, is it among us that these evils have found us? But I will surely hide my face on that day because of all the evils that they have done, for they have will have turned away to other gods. Now then, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips so that this song may be as a witness for me against the sons of Israel. For when I bring them into a land flowing in milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they eat and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my covenant. Then it will come about when many evils and troubles find them that this song will testify before them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten from the mouth of their descendants. For I know their inclination and that they are developing, to, that they are developing today before I bring them into the land which I swore. 
So Moses wrote down the song on that same day and taught it to the sons of Israel. Then he commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. It came about when Moses finished the, writing the words of this law in the, until <clears throat> they were complete, that Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord by saying, Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of your Lord, so that it may remain there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stubbornness. Behold, just as long as I've lived with you until this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Assemble to me all the leaders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing, and call the heavens and the earth as a witness against them. For I know that after my death you will behave very corruptly and turn from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will confront you in the latter days, because you will do which is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of the song until they were complete. Wow, so we just essentially read the continuation of the prologue, if you will, for the song of Moses, which we'll, we'll read about in next week's Torah portion. So, all right, kids, well, why, while it's still fresh in your memories, come on up and let's go ahead and play a game real quick. Now, I'll go ahead and explain how this works. So you guys are going to be working against me, right? You guys are going to collectively answer these questions. Now, we need a leader. I think Andres looks like, what, what is that, cotton? That's leadership material. Come on. Let's go. All right. So you are in charge of this. So you guys have 15 seconds, okay, to answer these questions after I read them out. When you are ready, dun, 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 everyone's going to push that. You hit that button. Go ahead and hit it. Just like that. And then uh, you'll go ahead and answer. So you'll be the one talking to me, okay? So you'll, you'll be representing the, the whole group. So you guys have to work together, okay? And sip of water real quick. All right, here we go. So we'll pop up on the screen. What is the meaning of the word Baalek? Is it A, and he went, B, and he will go, or C, and they will go? A, okay, let's see if that's right. Booyah, good job, yep, and he went. First one down, all right. Second. Which body of water was Moshe told he would not cross? Was it A, the Red Sea back into Egypt, B, the Jordan River into the Promised Land, or C, the water from the rock that Moshe struck in Horeb? B. See if that's right. Good job. Yep, it was B. All right, are you ready for the next question? Whom did Moshe tell be strong and courageous? Was it A, the entire nation of Israel, B, just Joshua, or C, all of the above? B. Uh, oh, it was C. <laughs> it was C. Yeah. <laughs> Open the trap door. <laughs> to whom did Moshe hand the completed Torah scroll? Was it A, his sons Gershon and Eleazar? B, the appointed scribes of every tribe? Or C, the Levite priests and the elders of Israel? 
It was C. Let's see. <laughs> Correct. Good job. All right. They're doing pretty good, guys. All right. Here's the next one. During which holiday was all of Israel to hear the Torah read every seven years? Was it A, Sukkot, B, Shavuot, or C, Passover? A. A. Good job, good job. Man, you guys were quick on that one. You guys knew that one for sure. All right. Here we go. Who was to be present at the once every seven years gathering? Was it A, men, but no women or foreigners? B, men, women, children, and foreigners? Or C, men, women, elders, and foreigners, but no children. Leave them at home. B. B. Let's see if it was B. Great job. Great job. All right. Do you guys want to go double or nothing for a bonus question? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Bonus question. Now, this, this was not answered in this Torah portion, but why did the children of Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years? A, they didn't have a map. B, the sons of Israel did not have faith that God would bring them into the promised land. Or C, the, the average age of the spies totaled 40. B. B. Are you sure about that? No. Yes. yes. Yeah, you're, okay, you're definitely sure. Okay. Awesome. Good job. Give a hand up for them, guys. All right, so, so after, after the service, if you guys want to stick around, I'll have, I have a video I'll play for you. Or we're waiting for our guests to go through the line. So, awesome. Great job, guys. Thank you. I'm going to have to hide this bell after this. Good job, guys. Good job. You have to make sure to keep those memories sharp like that for them to work. Just like that. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So, uh, I mean, we all have problems with our memories sometimes, right? Who has trouble remembering things from time to time? Well, wow. Okay. Everyone. I mean, we, I mean we're all human. We, we tend to forget things, right? I mean, sometimes there are they're really important and sometimes they're, they're, they're not. I mean, who here is kind of like me and you'll, you'll walk into a room and you'll look for something and then you're like, what was I looking for? And then you'll go ahead and turn back and you just go about your business and then you're like, oh, okay, I remember. And you go back into that room just to forget what you're looking for again. It's not good, but we, we, we humans have such problems remembering things sometimes. Now, to my fellow husbands in the room, if you guys don't already know, our wives, they love it when we remember things. You know, like our anniversary day, you know, her birthday especially. That's my wife's birthday today. I, I remember. <laughs> There's the cheeks incoming. <laughs> but it could be anything. It could be favorite, favorite flavor of ice cream, you know, uh, favorite color, things like that. And when we remember these things, it shows that we love them and we care about them. And that our relationship uh, is very, very important to us. Now, to all my brothers and sisters in Yeshua, who do we tend to forget about when this, this big old thing right here is full and we've been comfortable a while? God. That's, it's, it's really sad. And um, now, it, it just it happens so e easily that we forget God. You know, we, we, our bellies are full. Things are just so, going so good in our lives. You know, we're making more money. Um, you know, we have so many achievements in our life, you know, whatever it is, we can, we can fall into the false belief that we are not dependent on God, or, you know, God forbid, we, we, we like, say in our hearts, you know, ah, I'm, I'm okay now, I'm out of the wilderness, like, I don't need you, God, I'm good, I can, I, I got this, and it's very unfortunate that we, we, we really do do that sometimes, and I just, it breaks my heart, 
Now, um, I have a, a devotional that I came across the other day when I was um, just, just doing some reading. It's by an uh, author named Kathy Howard. The uh, title of this devotional is Forgetting God in the Promised Land. And I think it will complement our discussion today very well. I'm going to have uh, Ms. Julia read it for us. Thank you. Clinging to God in the hard times comes naturally to most of us. Even though we may question His ways and doubt His goodness, we realize we need Him, that we cannot navigate our trials alone. In Tuesday's post, we explored Deuteronomy 8 to discover how God works in the midst of life's difficulties. But what about the good times? Times when all our needs are met and many of our wants, too. Unfortunately, our sinful nature tends to forget about God when the bank account is full, our kids are healthy, and our future looks bright. In those times, we often loosen our, loosen our grip on God. We feel like we've got things under control. We can handle life. We become independent from God and dependent on our stuff. God warned the Israelites about this very thing. During those 40 wilderness years, he met their needs day by day, and they learned to depend on him. But as they stood at the edge of the promised land, ready to enter, God counseled them on the dangers of prosperity. He was about to lead them into a land abundant with water, food, and natural resources. God knew that initially they would bless him and thank him for this provision. But over time, as they got used to having, their attitude would change. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flock and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Watch out for the good times. How often do we hear that? Probably not nearly enough. Prosperity and ease produces pride and independence from God. Because we live in a land of plenty, we must purposely and constantly watch for an independent attitude. Awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Guys, we live in the fattest and most comfortable country on the planet right now. You can ask most missionaries and they'll tell you that americans are the hardest nuts to crack like they are the hardest ones to get to realize that they must depend on god and not you know everything else that that, that there is to offer and it's it's just it's really hard and so it's you can go over to you know china and probably get more converts over there than here in the states because we are just so blessed and we, we don't even realize it now if you think the children of israel were stick neck Go over to the local chiropractor's office and ask them how business has been. And they'll probably tell you it's been pretty good. <laughs> now, on a serious note, let's go ahead and talk about some of the potential dangers that uh, prosperity brings. Like, why did God tell Israel, be careful when you come into the land and you have these abundant blessings? Right? Well, so so why, why did he say that? Well, let's look at a few. Now, on, uh, I just want to like, mention this real quick. Now, before we talk about this, I want to mention that there is nothing wrong with being wealthy or having nice things. Uh, in 1 Timothy, it kind of talks about this in, in chapter 6, verse 17, where it says, to instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, 
but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And then it, it goes on a little bit late, later, where it says, to instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation of the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Remember, God warned the Israelites, do not become conceited. Do not um, think that it was you that acquired these, these, these blessings on, uh, by yourself. So what are some of the, the dang, potential dangers of prosperity? Well, here's one. Presumption. Oh, wow, that shrunk. <laughs> it's supposed to be a little bigger. So we can become presumptuous, brazen or overconfident, or just flat out arrogant. Essentially, when we have become presumptuous, we are taking for granted all the wonderful blessings that God has given us. We presume that these, he, he will keep them coming. They'll always be here. And this presumptuous attitude can kind of lead to a casualness, which that casualness can lead to a uh, to complacency, and complacency can lead to us being cold and self-entitled to his blessings in a, in a very, like, gimme, 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 I deserve this, even though I've done nothing to deserve it, right? Now, another potential danger is pride. Pride can well up inside of us. Like, you have all this, this great stuff, and you're like, yeah, I have a nice house, I have all this and you're not in the right mindset, you can become prideful very easily. Now remember, Moses warned them, do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God. Never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. We must, uh, we must be careful, um, right? So with great you know, achievements and things like that, there's a danger of them puffing up our ego. It's this, this false ego that produces that pride. You know, maybe we're the, the best at what we do and we receive praise for it, or perhaps we you know, make a lot of money at the moment, we have a nice family, a nice job, a nice loan officer, thank you loan officer, and a uh, you know, nice house, nice neighbors, a nice truck, a nice boat, a nice garage, a nice dog, a really sweet retirement plan, and a really bad habit of thinking that you acquired it with your own strength and wit, and that God had nothing to do with it very dangerous to be in that mindset. Can't, can't we understand that God can, can close the door just as easily as he opens it? I mean, he's in control of everything. He's in control of everything. Now, so, we can become presumptuous, possibly presumptuous, if we let it. Uh, we can become prideful. Another could be, with all this great, just amassed wealth or, or blessings, it's not always material wealth, by the way, we can also become distracted. Preoccupied, right? We don't we don't have time for God anymore. We're too busy with these these distractions, right? So we can become preoccupied with things that distract us from pursuing and maintaining a relationship with God. Now, uh, you know, many people become obsessed with things like I have to work on this, I have to work on this, and it's just you get you kind of go go go, and you're like, uh, was it was it Martha? She was running around while Mary was at, at Yeshua's feet. Yeshua wants us to just. Look at him. That's it. You don't have to look anywhere else. But Martha was too busy over there clicking, you know, cleaning pots and pans and trying to get things ready. And that's sometimes what happens when we have maybe too much stuff, you know, too much entertainment or whatever, you know, too much uh, maybe access or exposure to the news media, whatever it is, we just, our minds get filled up with things. And so, um, I mean, if we were to, if, if say, Someone in the body of Messiah, like one of our brothers and sisters, just plain out said to you, like, 
I don't have I don't have time for God. You know, I, I just I don't have time to go to Shabbat. I need to work on something. A red flag, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, they're so preoccupied with stuff. They're like, I don't really have time to praise God right now. I'm just I'm too busy with my stuff. Like we would stone them, right? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but anyways, you know, when we're when we're just so full of pride and so self entitled, preoccupied with other things, what might that look like? Well, it might look like this guy, right? He looks pretty preoccupied. You know, nice suit, probably has a nice job, probably has like a tattoo on his back that says in 401k I trust and all these different things. So he has, he has no time for God, right? But what about when you're just so hungry, you're like, I can't get enough of this stuff. Well, you could, you could look like this. That could be you kids <laughs> and adults. What I'm saying is if we're not in the, in the right mindset and we're not in the right spirit, Prosperity can become a, a stumbling block. Is this distracting? <laughs> and uh, I'll go back to that. He'll just, he'll just watch you guys for me. So it can become a stumbling block and hinder our obedience to God, right? It, it, it can just become that barrier between us and him and separate um, us. But guess what? No matter how hard we try, we are incapable of walking this out by ourselves. We can't do it. We are we are incapable. Now, I need help. You need help. We we all we all need help walking. But before I tell you how we get help uh, with this walk, let's talk about meat. <laughs> I know you guys are probably thinking, what in the world does meat have to do with all of this, right? Well, before you show me, let me explain. As I was meditating on this this lesson and, and praying for guidance. I couldn't help but think about meat. Meat was on my mind. But it was kind of like, it wasn't like actual meat, but it was kind of like the meat that Israel craved back in the wilderness, right? This was only uh, so many years ago. Now, when they craved that, that meat so many years ago, before they arrived where they are in this, this chapter that we just read, they were they had immense craving for this meat. They were, but at the time they were being fed this, this perfect food from heaven called manna, right? It was, it was given to them six days a week, and um, it, there was a double portion on the sixth day to stretch through the Sabbath, right? But even though they had this pure and perfect manna, free of charge and always on time, we still read in Numbers 11 that they cried this out. This is what they cried out. Remember all the free fish and the cucumbers and the watermelons and the onions and everything else we had in Egypt? But now we've lost our appetite. Everywhere we look, there's nothing but this manna. That's, that's pretty rude, right? That's like a slap in the face. God had taken care of them this whole time and given them this perfect food. They didn't need anything else. They made sure that not even a strap on their sandal wore out. Their clothing didn't wear out. Wow. So what kind of thinking or attitude was this? What, what, what would you guys say? Ungrateful, absolutely. But what do you get? Anyone else? Entitlement, absolutely. That's contagious. And many of our youth nowadays, or even adults, are just very self-entitled. Everything's given to them essentially, and it's just not. It's not. It's not good. Um, absolutely. They were looking back. They were just like, uh, just like Lot's wife. They're looking back and they're craving, you know, whatever it is was, that was back there. And man, that's just, that's, that's wild. Oh, yes? 
They forgot how bad it was in Egypt. I, that is a great point. That is so true. So, you know, we could say that they were being presumptuous, prideful, discontented, self-entitled, and, you know, very impulsive and, and carnal. Now, I, I mean, I would say all, all the above and some. But what I ask is, have we always been so different? Are we so different sometimes? Sometimes not only craving, but getting into those selfish impulses and wicked thinking from when we were back in Egypt. Forgetting all the good things that God has done for us and craving that meat that we once enjoyed while trampling on that, that manna that, that sustained us, right? Guys, there's, there's a lot of meat out there. But there's only one source of true and pure nourishment, and that is from the Most High. That's the only place you can get it. You can go to Publix, you can go to Piggly Wiggly, you're not going to find it. You're only going to find it in that book and through a relationship with the Lord. Now, I guess the, the question now is, how do we both align our, our thinking and our appetite with that which pleases God? Right? There is hope. We can do this. Now, also, how can we be careful not to forget God and abundant blessings and prosperity and overcome this sometimes like immense craving for meat where we just almost can't control it? whether we're still in the land or still out in the wilderness. Well, I'm glad you asked, Michael. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'll answer that with scripture, but real quick, let's flesh out the meaning of one of these words that I just used to describe this kind of thinking that we humans are very prone to. Now, the word is carnal. Now, anyone who knows what carnal means, don't, don't say it, but anyone who has never heard that word or doesn't know what it means, can you raise your hand? Aurora, okay, let me ask you, because I, 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 I have not always known this word. I, I figured it out maybe a couple of years ago. What does the word carnal sound like to you? Carne? Like carne asada? That, that's in my notes here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's something my wife would order at, at a, Mexican, a Mexican restaurant, right? And it, it is, yes, yeah, that, and that's good. So the word carnal... We get from the Latin translation of carnalis, carnalis, which means meat, fleshy, of the flesh, bodily, sensual, not spiritual, but worldly, right? Now, especially in Paul's writings, the word carnal is synonymous with the, the flesh, the, the lusts of the flesh, and our fallen and sinful nature, with, which always contrasts and opposes the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The one who, the, the spirit who convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, sanctifies us and guides us into all truth. Now that, now that we've quickly established what, what carnal is and being synonymous with the flesh, turn with me to Galatians 5.13 where Paul, via the Holy Spirit, contrasts what walking carnally in the flesh versus what walking in the spirit produces and how it manifests in our life. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite one another, and uh, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. Take that one with relativity. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. These, these are how the deeds of the flesh uh, manifest themselves. They are through sexual immorality, impurity, and decent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, hashtag America, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. So the period isn't there. It goes on. Things like this. Things in this, this uh, realm. This ballpark. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus are crucified, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not uh, become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. Now, in that same exact vein, while we're on a roll here, I'm going to turn to Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Jesus Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, might I add, without sin, to fulfill, uh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mindset on flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset in the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living in accordance with the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Did you guys catch that? Let me let me go back. This sounds this sounds really familiar. It's back in verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but on the mindset wait a second. So we have life and death here. So it says, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life. Whoa, wait a second. Where did we hear this? Well, if you read last week's core portion, and the very last two 
chapters of, the, of last week's, um, or sorry, last two verses of last week's chapter before we read, get into the one that we did today, it reads this. I have placed for you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding close to him. For this is your life in the length of your days, so that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Whoa, wait a second. I think we're on to something here. Do you guys see the cure for our disease? It's right there. Let's go ahead and zoom in on this. So we have, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding close to him. This is how we remember God and choose life. He's put the instructions right there for us. Now let's look a little, bless you. Let's look a little bit closer into this. So how do we, how do we choose life? Well, I think we can, we can go ahead and fill in the blank here. So I'm going to read a, a, a verse. You guys fill in the blank, and I think that will give us our answer. So by loving the Lord your God, so how do we show God that we love him? Well, in John 14, 15, what did Yeshua say? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So by loving the Lord your God, how do we show him? What's his, his, his currency? What's his love language? It is obedience, following his commandments. Okay, so we have... How to choose life, remember God, by following, by loving the Lord your God, keep his commandments, by obeying his voice. Okay, so it should be easy because I just read this. So how do we obey his voice? Romans 18, 8, 14, it says, For all who are blank by the Spirit of God are children of God. Led, absolutely. We must be led by his Spirit. That is how we do that. We, we, so we, we must listen to him. We not... Uh, we must not distance ourselves through sin. Now, um, I don't know if you guys remember this from, from a little while back, but Gabe was talking about him flying his drone, right? It wasn't next to like an oak tree. It's next to an oak tree, and it went up, and it has this sensor, this really annoying sensor that goes off when it's really close to a branch or something like that, so it's not in danger of, of hitting it. Well, the Holy Spirit, in a way, if you will, uh, the, the beeping of the Holy Spirit can warn us of both danger and also guide us in, uh, and bring our, to our attention the, the right path for us to go on. So be led by his voice. So by obeying his voice, be led by his spirit. All right, so the next one, by holding close to him. Okay, so fill in the blank. James 4, 8 says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Very good. Wow, okay, so this is, Boom, that's, that's what we have right there. So remember God, choose life. So how do we do that? By loving the Lord your God. How do we do that? Follow his commandments. By obeying his voice. Be led by his spirit. And by holding him close. Seek him with all of your heart. What does that look like? Well, when we seek God with all of our hearts and come close to him, we will once feel his presence again. We can do this through prayer, reading his word, and through the understanding of his character, especially, especially exemplified through his son, Yeshua, our, our Messiah. Now, Yeshua was all of these things. He was obedient to his father's instruction. He was obedient to his voice. And this is my belief, and it may be yours also, that he is the closest that anyone has ever been to the father. And he's, there was only one time that he ever felt his father's presence leave him, is when he was on the cross. 
and he took on the sins of the world, and light, light can't coexist with darkness, and the clean and the unclean. And he took on our sins, and when he did so, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I love our God so much, and he's not only given us the, the what to do, but the how to do it, and enables us through his Holy Spirit to do so. And when he gave us that Holy Spirit, it was, it was when he had said those words, when he had cried out those words. So before we wrap this up, I would like to point out something very, very important that I think we should re realize and, and store in our memory. is that every physical action and every thought has a spiritual parallel that reveals our, our spiritual condition. Outwardly, one can follow commandment. Boom, I did it. But we are called to be both obedient to the physical aspect of the Torah and God's commandments and the spiritual that he had intended, right? It, it really doesn't matter what we think is right or wrong if our, our morals aren't, uh, our standards aren't aligned with what he said is right and wrong. Moral relativity and, and emotionalism are such dangerous concepts to, to grab a hold onto. They really are. Now, there's a story maybe you've, you've, you've heard before, but there's this shepherd, and he looks out, and there's some beautiful green grass, and there's this beautiful white sheep, spotless sheep that's just there grazing, and he's just sitting there admiring it. And then it starts snowing profusely. And so it's just snowing and snowing, and that sheep's still there, and he's looking at it, and it's just standing there. And now it's a, the same sheep, but a different background. So the green turned into that pure white background. So now he's looking at that sheep compared to the pure white background, and it's dirty. It's nasty, that sheep, he, he wouldn't even touch it with a 10-foot pole. Like, it is so disgusting. And the thing is, that sheep in the green grass, that's us in moral relativity. That's us saying, eh, you know, I mean, I've done a few things, but I'm a good person, right? But compared to God's righteous and unchanging and holy standards, that's the snow, right? And the only one that can cleanse us of that is Yeshua. He's done it. We're clean. Right? That's something to be excited about. And he has given us his spirit so that we may be obedient to his commandments and have life. So hold on to it. This is what, this is what we, we, should, we need to be doing, not worrying about what other people think of us or trying to get uh, acquire more wealth and all these random things. Like, guys, it, life is a vapor. It's everything else outside of our relationship with God and, and family and all that that's combined. It's vanity. It, it's, it's, it's temporary. Grab onto the eternal. It's right there. He's everywhere. And he wants a relationship with you. And it's us who distance ourselves through sin. You can't be around sin. That's why he kicked Adam and Eve out of the, the gardens. Because they, they had sin. Now, my, in closing, my, my prayer for all of us in the, the body of Messiah is that we continue to walk the walk, be strong and courageous, and be careful not to become prideful, boastful, or just distracted by things. You know why? Because our king is coming soon. Guys, it's, the, it's, it's, it's close to the season. I don't know if it's this year. It could be next year. We don't know that. But we need to be ready. Have our, our, our wicks trimmed and our oil ready at all times. All right? So remember, we have been promised such an amazing gift that no one can take away. And it's better than any prosperity or any any earthly comfort that you can imagine. So, 
Love the Lord your God, follow his commandments, obey his voice, and seek him with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. We love you, and we thank you so much. We thank you for the Sabbath. Lord, I pray that this lesson was edifying to your body, and um, Lord, uh, I, just, I just thank you for all the wonderful blessings. Lord, please help us not to ever be led astray and led away by prosperity or anything that this world has to offer. And Lord, please help us not to put our stock in things that are going on in this world, but to walk by the Spirit and not be, be, be so in the world, Lord. Please help us not to walk carnally, but in your, your Spirit, Lord, and to fight those, those impulses that we have always had. Lord, we love you so much, and I pray Yeshua HaMashiach's name. Amen.